0: Welcome to the At The Coalface podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. This podcast is all about what it's really like in the trenches of digital and e-commerce. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pod. It's my pleasure to welcome the co-founder and the CEO of, sorry, the managing director of CLAR, welcome max to the program
1: hi jason thank you for thank you for inviting me
0: oh it's my absolute pleasure it's really good to have you here now you are based in germany correct you're you're based you're based in germany now
1: yeah i'm in munich germany born here i moved around quite a bit but now i'm back it's it's great to have you on the pod now you've got a very
0: interesting background and before we get before we dig straight into to your platform clar let's look back at your history now you've come from this tech slash you've lived your career primarily at the sort of apex of business marketing tech product that's that's your background that's your secret sauce
1: Yeah, I've, I always been like in a CMO role, so focused on marketing, but I think I I have a very holistic view on it. I think you're only able to sell something if you really understand the product side of things, the customer side of things, the financial side of things. I always try to interconnect all of them. And I think that's like my secret sauce. And I've been doing that for the last 10, 12 years now and taking all these learnings now in building cloud. Fantastic, and Clar is, uh, as I understand, and I've never deployed
0: Clar before. Forgive me if I describe this incorrectly, but based on what I've looked through your website and looked through the product detail, you really are like the uh, a turnkey business intelligence tool for e-commerce, as I understand it. You've been doing that for over a year and a half now, one year seven months. Clar uh, has been up and running. And it's your, it's your baby.
1: Yeah, that's about right. We call it like a single source of truth. So a place where all the company's data is coming together in one place. I also used to work at quite large e-com companies and obviously they have the resources to afford like a fully stacked, BI team of three to five people to build that out themselves, but especially small, medium merchants that don't really have those resources, but they still have the need really, we're building for those. And yeah bringing all the data together in one place and visualizing in a way that helps them understand where they have room to improve, to grow their business.
0: Brilliant. And if so, I guess we can almost think of Clar like a B version of Power BI or like a Tableau or any of the Domo or any of the large, more enterprise focused BI data visualization tools. We can think of you almost like a baby version of that really targeted directly at e-commerce businesses.
1: Exactly, I think that's for smaller brands as well as specifically for e-commerce. So I think the reference that I like to make is more like the Shopify or the Klaviyo for BI on the e-commerce side. I obviously worked at a larger brand before and then I took on an interim CMO position at a company called Waifool, which is like one of the top D2C brands here in Europe doing over hundred million revenue. And I saw, okay, all the things we used to build ourselves, like the shop system or like the email automations, they're now like standardized tools for like a Shopify or like a Klaviyo or like a Recharge. And looking at the data side, I saw that they're also using spreadsheets and data studio at the time. I was looking for a solution for that because we we're growing quite rapidly at the time, increased the marketing team size from 15 to 45 in a span of six months and increasing complexity, going into new markets. So I was looking for a tool to bring everything together and allow me and the team to analyze and dive deep, look at a bunch of things, but nothing really met my requirements and my needs. It was only an interim there because I wanted to build something on my own anyway. So that seemed like a great place to start. It's a perfect place to start.
0: Now, if I look at sort of the data sources that you have turnkey solutions for, what you call one-click integrations, you've got one-click integrations for Shopify, Google Analytics, Facebook, Google, Clavio, Google Sheets, TikTok, so most of the social platforms, a few mm. of the e-commerce platforms, WooCommerce, Shopify, but I notice you don't have out-of-the-box connectors for the likes of BigCommerce or Vtex or Salesforce Commerce Cloud or anything like that. So it, fe- it sure. feels very much like you're focused primarily on
1: the Shopify and WooCommerce ecosystems. Would that be a fair assessment? I think as of right now, obviously, we're still relatively... A smallish team getting started right now so we have to see where we want to focus i think we will look into all these other shop systems also and see if there's a market for us and build those integrations in the future but right now we focus on covering a wide range of merchants and providing as much value there as possible and we can't do everything at once but i think we'll get there eventually and
0: how do you play with the likes of, of an omni-channel business or are you really targeting those e-commerce pure plays that they've really only got these digital channels, and they might have an out of the box integration between, say, a Shopify and a marketplace like an Amazon or an eBay or something like that. So they're actually pulling down their omni channel transactions into Shopify yep. or into WooCommerce. So you're capturing data from those systems of record that really are there. E commerce systems of record.
1: Exactly. So we don't really work with like an ERP system or something like that, which might contain all the information from like an offline activity or wholesale activity. We integrate with Shopify and, and Amazon. And obviously, if you have other marketplaces, there are various integrations you can use to punch your, I don't know, eBay data also through your Shopify. And then we have access to that and we can also identify it because there's a sales channel which will tell us where the order is coming from. We do have some stuff on the roadmap to also build in some of flexibility for shops that have other revenue sources, but that's also coming up in a few months. But like it's very much focused on e first business. So the other stuff is just to to get the data that's around the edges really into the tool and not really a core function of the business.
0: And I see that you also have integrations with Outbrain Tabula. Sorry I also noticed you've got shopware that's coming soon, which would be another econ platform connection. Now what type of data are you pulling from something like a Pinterest, a Snapchat, and Outbrain and Taboola. Are you pulling their from their APIs? Are you pulling data? Okay, impression share. How many of our articles, for example, were shown on, or how much of our content or our ads were shown on Outbrain or Taboola? What was the conversion? What was the what was the click through rates, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Are you pulling down basically all of the ad performance data? From these platforms that they're able to provide to you
1: yeah we essentially we can pull everything and then we just it's a question of what's interesting and meaningful we don't have dedicated uh, reporting yet for spe- they're specifically built for an outbreak or tabula so they're sitting more into like, general marketing reports and within those like something like impressions to share doesn't not make so much sense because it's a concept that's quite unique to those native channels but something like impressions click PM, ctrs ad platform reporter conversions so everything along those lines we're kind of pulling and integrating into all
0: and i guess one of the benefits of doing that is that and obviously connecting to as you show on your website the to connecting to facebook connecting to google ads and connecting to Google Analytics, connecting to TikTok, et cetera, that then allows you to take a very holistic view of something like blended CAC, for example, okay, okay, we're spending uh, across all of our marketing, digital marketing channels, we're spending $20,000 a month. And here's the number of customers we've acquired during that month as new customers, and so we know, okay, our blended CAC is X based on those calculations, and we can show those visually
1: sure that's a very easy example of what we can do but we can do that we also have like ways to integrate the influencer campaigns and data so that we also get those costs in there and for that we can calculate a blender crack but i think but I a couple of things that makes cla different and special and i think the one thing is that we have a very um, deep integration or not integration really, but deeply embedded financial data also. So I think always understanding your contribution margin is also something that's really has been super valuable for me in the past when I worked on the brand side. So really getting very detailed information on your product costs, your logistics costs, your transaction costs, and then fully integrating that into the tool not only on the transaction data but also on the retention data so being able to slice your customer cohorts based on contribution margins based on where they came from what they bought and all that stuff and that's where some of the special power comes from
0: And I guess that allows brands to better understand their unit economics across the board because we're taking into account these costs, we're taking into account revenue, we're taking into account effectively all of our cogs regardless of source or most of our cogs. Now, one of the connections I don't necessarily see here, and again, this could be coming soon because you've got quite a few integrations that look like they're on the way, but I don't see you plugging into things like Gorgeous or Zendesk or any of the major customer service platforms. And it feels to me like that would be like a natural next step for you because cost of service is a very real legitimate cost that needs to be calculated similar to CAC. And we need to take that into account to get our net, our net margins or our our net retention, et cetera, et cetera. We need to get net figures wherever we can. And so blended CAC is great. Our revenue figures are great. If we know what our average cost structure is, then we can get average, you know, our average margin. So we can start calculating these things, but it feels like cost to service is such a significant part of these calculations to get our true uh, clv it feels like that would be a natural
1: next step for you guys yeah definitely i think it's it's certainly something that we want to integrate like a zendesk and a gorgeous probably the obvious choices there and then also not only obviously getting the cost in there but also helping you understand the impact of service on overall performance because i always thought it's quite a difficult modificant decision from a financial point of view, like how much really do you want to invest into good services? Like everybody would like to provide good service, but no one, want to, no one wants to really pay for it. So also providing transparency on what is actually the impact of uh, providing great service, being quick to reply. Uh, being great to reply and also tying that to actual bottom line effects, I think is something that I'm actually more interested in than just the pure getting the cost of service. And
0: I think you're right. I think you've nailed it. I think understanding, for example, I know that a lot of service teams, they're they're would on conversions as well. Unless it's a, a pure customer service inquiry, i.e. it's a return or something like that, then they're KPI'd on, okay, you've had these product inquiries, you've had these service inquiries, oftentimes pre-purchase inquiries to make sure that you're a trustworthy the merchant Mm -hmm. why customers are reaching out to you whether it be email help desk social direct messaging live chat phone etc etc they're reaching out to you to make ensure that you're a credible merchant right before they before they transact with you or to ask a specific product question do you have this in stock do you have this size etc etc before they transact with you and so i know a lot of service teams are incented or at least KPI'd on their conversion rate, particularly based on the type of inquiry that comes in. Are you recommending products that are a good fit? Do they convert? Are you helping to create carts for them that they can execute on straight away? And obviously, when you're looking at something like Gorgeous connected to Shopify, that's easy because you can create the cart for them and all they got to do is check out. So Mm -hmm. there's some really interesting, I think, data out there around performance from the service side of the business Where it can be a significant revenue and conversion contributor if the team is structured and incentivized properly.
1: No, for sure. I think that's something that's also developed uh, over the last few years where customer service is not just seen uh, as a cost center, but also as a potential revenue source, both from, uh, like you mentioned, helping customers make the right decisions. And there's also various things going on and around the space of, I think it's called conversational commerce now, where people int- start integrating, especially on higher ticket items, uh, like a chat support, both some like a product expert. And yeah, I think that's also going to be important. No doubt,
0: especially as our economies around the world are looking to, to contract. I think that many Making service making service a actual key pillar of a business is becoming more important as you're trying to differentiate from your competitors as you're trying to stand out as you're trying to be memorable to your customers and even to the point and I've talked to many brands about this that service, Recovery can oftentimes be a point of difference that can actually make you stand out positively in a customer's mind and can contribute significant ongoing revenue and loyalty if you get it right. So let's say somebody does have to return something or it's damaged when it arrives or it's the wrong size or the wrong color or whatever it might be, you know, customers will take notice of how easy and seamless reverse logistics is, how easy it is to get a hold of you. How is he, how easy it is, is it to get a credit or a refund when it's appropriate? Are you going to make me jump through hoops to get this back to you? Are you going to cover the cost of returning it to you? If it was your fault in the first place, if it's my fault, maybe I've got all these questions come into play, don't they? When you're thinking about customer service, and I know this is getting a little bit away from what your tool does, but I think you you have some unique visibility into so many metrics within a business that are some of the bigger levers that you can pull. But I think many brands overlook that service recovery piece as a tool of retention as a tool of customer joy yeah. and i just think it's such a big deal and a lot of brands they don't see it that way they see it as a pure cost center as as opposed to a center of customer joy
1: yeah so actually two things on this so the first one is i think you know, when it comes to it's called like retention lifetime value i think it's obviously i think the product is the main driver of that like you're not gonna buy a product again that you didn't like i think the second most important thing is the product experience. So everything really around the experience Of you buying the product. And uh, when I was still on the brand side a few years ago, the most significant thing that we changed in terms of like impact on repurchase rate is the first order experience. So I think we had 10, 15 different experiments running at the same time of different packages, different little gifts or email automations running with those packages. And the winning variation, I think, increased our repurchase rate by, I think it was 22%, which is way bigger than any kind of changes I've made to just retargeting ads or something like that. So I think the overall product experience and customer service or support is a big part of that. It really ties directly into how much your customers love you and come back. So that's the one side. And then you also mentioned something quite interesting that ties back into our product. So you talked about how these customer journeys or also these buying patterns might get a bit messy. I order something, it arrives broken. I complain to customer support. They manually issue a new order, attach that to my product but it's 100% discount order. So now, if I just look at that data, it seems like I'm a repeat purchaser, but my second purchase was at a 100% discount. This is actually not what happened. And that's something we at Cloud also focus on, really understanding those various ways where data becomes messy and does actually not reflect reality and then build like a no code interface where you can basically just configure it and say, hey, customers, uh, sorry, orders with the tag customer service, are actually what we call replacement orders. So you don't want them filtered because you still have the costs for the second product and the second delivery, but you also don't want to count them as repeat purchases. So understanding where this data is messy and then configuring it with just a few clicks is something that we really heavily focus on to actually get to reality in your data, what is really happening while keeping the setup at half an hour. Wow, amazing. Now, you don't pitch
0: yourself as a CDP. You don't pitch yourself as this font of all knowledge around specific customers and segmentation, et cetera, et cetera. So you really are staying in your lane in the sense that all of your data is aggregate data, right? Like we're talking, we're talking, we're looking across all purchases over a specific period, a window of time. We're looking at performance over a window of time, CAC over a window of time. So we're looking Mm. primarily at aggregate data. Obviously you need to understand things like CLV and you need to understand, you need to understand AOV and in order to do that, you have to understand the total number of active customers in the database. You have to know their churn rates. You have to know rebuying frequency. There's certain things you have to know about individual customers, but you don't necessarily have to know them by name or email address, you're still looking at aggregated data to generate your reports and your insights, correct?
1: Yeah, we don't go down on the customer level right now. There's not too much value. It depends on what you really want to do, but it's not something that we focus on as of right now. It's not just aggregate. You can slice and dice your data across basically any kind of dimension that you really have in Shopify, that you have in your Shopify or in any kind of system. So you can go by country, by product board, by marketing channels, by discount code use, but we don't really break it down to the individual customer level. In the reports, you can go down on the order level, but yeah.
0: No, it makes sense. Obviously this, the CDPs in the market that pitch themselves as CDPs, the reason they want to get granular is so that they can do things like dynamically create lookalike audiences and Google and Facebook, etc. And that's Mm -hmm. not your goal. Your goal is, Hey, we want to give you easy turnkey sort of reports and insights into your data that then becomes actionable in a way that you can't get easily in any other way. So would you see yourself as competing more with the likes of say a glue versus your traditional segment or other CDP in the marketplace? So what, you know, do you see, do you think that you actually have competitors in the market or do you think that you're sufficiently differentiated that you go, Hey, we actually do things in such a unique way that This is our value prop. Our value prop is giving you actionable insights into your data that then you can make decisions around you know what products to carry you can you can start making decisions around again as you said how much money we're putting in service how much money we're putting into different marketing channels so that we can double down on the ones that are working and because you do track certain elements of attribution and performance across marketing channels you're you you're, you don't pitch yourself again as an attribution platform like a Northbeam or a Triple Whale but there are elements of that that you automatically bring bring in that can make people smarter about where they spend their marketing dollars to.
1: Yeah. So I think it's that's really like a segment competition. I think we, we do have aspects of that and I think we can build on that in the future. We already now have a customer segment builder within Cloud where you can basically jump in and I don't know, I think probably across hundreds of dimensions say give me customers who bought product X in purchase one and then went on to purchase product Z in the next purchase and who also came through a certain marketing channel and who are currently at risk of churning. So that's a segment of customers you can create in client and you apply that segment as a filter. On kind of like different reports across cla so we have aspects of that built into the product already but it's like staying within cla right now and yeah so in that way it's a bit more like a glue which is also one of the tools that i looked at initially while i was looking to buy a tool while i was that brand side but that really didn't really match my requirements of what i was looking for especially on this customization side really cleaning up the data because econ data is messy all these tools operate under the assumption that 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 I have this perfect clean data that's the same across every single brand and i think one of the key things that we do is like really understanding where the data gets messy what do we have to clean up and then finding quick easy solutions to actually get to what is happening so another thing that we just released is the fact that oftentimes product names change you might adjust the name of the product was for a certain campaign or because it just actually changed the product a little bit and we now give it the option kind of to say hey So if you just look at the data by itself the same product will show up as multiple line items in your reporting because it has different name but you probably actually want to clean that up and so we also give you a way now to just clean it up and make sure that all the sales over time actually occur under the current product name for example so it's really like the core bi stack we do obviously have some acquisition data and it's also running into the tool it's an area that we want to or building out next a little bit more so that we have the three pillars that we're focusing on retention, the financial side, which you are already quite strong on. And then the acquisition side is kind of like the next pillar that we're building out into the tool.
0: Amazing stuff. And I guess one of the other value props of your platform, at least as far as I can tell, and in looking into what you offer and how you pitch the platform and how you sell the platform is the idea that this is largely turnkey of course there's always integrations that have to make sure are running properly of course there's some data cleansing that has to go on and understanding of your product data like you just said but for the most part you are largely plug and play, you are largely turnkey and most of your reports, of course, you can create custom reports within Clark, but you have a tremendous number of those most important e-commerce specific reports out of the box. You plug it in, you, you start sucking in the data and you are starting to drive actionable insights out of that data almost instantaneously
1: yeah so i think the setup really takes around depending on the complexity of the business anywhere 20 to 60 minutes and basically then the initial setup is done we start importing all historic data immediately and depending on the amount of data that might take anywhere from two hours to two days and then you're basically good to go and like you said we have all the reporting pre-built because the things with these drag and drops reporting tools it's nice it's cool but you can't really go into details right it's impossible to build certain reports that we have within Clar, but just drag and dropping that stuff together so we really focus on breadth and depth so covering in many areas and going very deep into those. And that comes at a little bit of cost of being able to drag and drop flexibly stuff together. But yeah, so our focus there is very much on breadth and depth on the reporting side.
0: Lovely. And you guys are a pure SaaS platform. So it's all hosted by you guys. It's all plugged in via APIs to the various different endpoints that you're connecting to. And so you've got as you've got this awesome, what I really love about how your website is set up to sell your platform. And this is something that I think a lot of other SaaS platforms could do better and they could probably take a leaf out of your book is how you can just do use a slider to get a pretty good idea of how much you're going to have to pay to use Clar and you just drag up your annual revenue and boom you you pretty much have a price quoted straight away in euros, it becomes very crystal clear how much you're going to have to spend each month on Clar. And if you're doing, if you're doing a million bucks a month in in, in, a million euro a month in in revenue, then you're going to be paying about 1125 bucks a month for Clar. So it's very transparent. And I can tell because oftentimes when you've got a really ultra enterprise focused platform, They're not transparent about their pricing, even if they're a SaaS product, because there's these negotiations that go on and there's an element of sales that goes on with that. But for you guys, it feels, hey, we want to be, our target is not big enterprises that have a BI team. Our target market is really the SMB, maybe mid enterprise businesses that are doing up to maybe that. 20, $30 million a year, perhaps in revenue, they can't justify a data analyst, they can't justify a data scientist, they can't justify a BI specialist within the business. And so therefore, your plug and play solution fits those types of environments pretty much perfectly.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the kind of market we're going after. I think once those biggest businesses become bigger, they hired out their own BI team, and they're kind of I it's tough for them to justify to also getting in cloud. Of course, we come in and pitching you, you don't need a BI team. So it's politically also a bit difficult, even though I have yet to see a BI setup, even from businesses doing 100 mil that is better than what we offer businesses out of the box. But it's like politically just a difficult pitch. But I think we come in now, we are able to grow quite extensively with those businesses into the future. So it doesn't really not just take their short-term need away for a BI team, but also their long-term need, and we can grow with them into the future. And
0: that's really important, right? Like sometimes when someone builds a SaaS platform or a SaaS tool, or even an app for that matter, that plugs into a major platform, they're thinking about their kind of their, you know if we think of their ICP of today, that is not necessarily where their ICP of tomorrow will be as they continue to extend and enhance the platform. And it feels very much like you had this concept out of the gate you're still a relatively young business it's still a relatively young platform and yet you've already got this concept of growing with your customers yes hey we're going to get our foot in the door when someone is relatively small but we don't want them to kick Clar out when they get bigger because that's going to hurt our revenue but it's also it puts us in a position where we can pretty easily start to roadmap what our product needs to look like to suit these customers as they grow as long as we're listening to them. We're taking the feedback on board and we're letting that help guide our product development roadmap. Yeah,
1: I think that's something that's uh, super important for us. We're obviously having some discussions, with some larger brands already who see, hey, we have some needs that are coming up on the horizon. We don't really need them right now, but we might need them in a year from now. And we had a lot of discussions with all of our customers all the time. We built this product just between the three, My, my co-founders and I, so the three of us, they both have like CTO background, like managing teams of 30, 40 people. So they're very experienced, but we built the whole thing, just the three of us in a close beta, starting with two brands, growing it within a few months to like uh, 60, 70 brands, and basically just being in constant conversations with them, understanding what they need, where can we help? And that's also the mode that we want to operate under into the future.
0: Brilliant. And so how do you know, do you have a distributed team? Are you guys the three co-founders? Are you the developers of the platform? Or do you have an engineering team? And are you guys local there in Germany? Are you distributed around the world? What does your product development, how do you manage your product development?
1: Now, we are obviously do have a team now. Like I said, initially, we were just three of us, but the number of clients that we support now, that's not maintainable anymore. Otherwise, I, I could get zero sleep and my wife also wouldn't be too happy about that. But now we have a team. We work, so like a hybrid model. So we have an office in Munich, but most of the team is sitting remote around the world. My co-founders and I actually also met while we all worked in south africa so we do have quite a few people sitting there we have people sitting in the netherlands and different parts of germany so really all over we still focus on Roughly similar time zone, because it makes collaborating a bit easier. But apart from that, we really just try to get the best people on board. It
0: makes sense. It's what a lot of teams are doing now, Those the distributed team model. You can hire the best people from regardless of where they are in the world, regardless of the time zone they operate in. And I guess for you guys, having a distributed team also allows you to follow the sun from a support perspective as well. So you've got engineers that are available and almost on call. Should something be necessary in terms of support, then you've got to follow the sun kind of model because you got people spread around the world. So that's a good model.
1: Yeah, that really works really well. And I think it's something that people have gotten used over the last years and actually seek now and in most cases. So it works really well for us and it's a mode we will continue or a path we will continue to go on.
0: Now let's talk about the elephant in the room, the worries and the discussions and the panic that seems to be setting into all areas of e-commerce about a looming recession. And if our economies aren't in recession already, which they most likely are, because of course, GDP is always a backwards looking scenario. If we address that elephant in the room for you guys, it would seem that you guys would be somewhat insulated against a downturn because you specifically address challenges where someone doesn't necessarily have the resources to build out a BI team, to be, uh, to build out a data analytics team, to, to build out a predictive analytics team, et cetera, if they don't have those resources and many businesses don't, or they're trying to scale back their dependency on those internal resources, it would seem that you guys would be a perfect fit in that scenario because you are such a turnkey solution. It can actually allow them to contain their costs, but yet still drive very actionable insights in their business to try to ensure that they remain competitive in the market.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, Questions like how many brands that were planning on hiring out a BI team now are not doing it anymore. And obviously we're a great fit for them because they have already discovered the need for bringing in and understanding their data more clearly. But overall, it's, I think across the board, tough situation for many brands right now. I see the very best brands still perform incredibly well, but the brands that were not like growing crazily before, they seem to struggle a little bit right now. And I think independent of market situation, I think for... Any e-com shop, Clar should be a no-brainer because our pricing is just so super competitive. You mentioned before now, if you do a mill, you pay, if you do a mill per month, you pay like 1,000, which is like the fraction of what you would pay any person that could attempt to build out what we're doing. So I think obviously the market situation might help us a little bit, but overall, I think class is a product that can thrive in kind of any market environment.
0: It's a good place to be it's a happy place to be now if you were to look out over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months i know you're very much customer-led growth product-led growth you know what if you were to look at your own platform critically today and you were to say hey we're amazing, we do these five things amazingly well, but we have these other two or three things that I think either we don't do at all today or we don't do them as well as to do them. What is on your roadmap that you say, hey, we're going to differentiate further over the next 12 to 18 months by building these top three features,
1: either because we're getting asked to build them? So I think there's obviously a couple of stuff on the integration side that we want to add. Mm -hmm. I think we spoke about a couple more shop systems that we want to add. I think adding something like the customer support side into the tool is something that's on our roadmap in the time period. That's a little bit, of, a little bit less of a sexy answer. There are a couple of things that I find quite intriguing that I want to get into soon. I think the one question is really around email marketing. So obviously we do have a clavio integration, but I think the depth of data we can get into there is still, there's still quite a lot of stuff we can do, especially understanding the incrementality of what really email drives. Because obviously clavius reporting is absurd how much they attribute as their own revenue and really understanding what type of customers am i a- being able to convert what is actually the incremental impact that i'm driving with my various automations it's always very really easy to argue that email has of a high rm and i totally believe in email it's just about like really getting a better understanding of what is the incrementality of what that channel drives and that's something i want to get into quite soon if we now talk about a little bit bigger of a time horizon it's not i think It's something where I want to be able to not just show reports and data to people, but also actually proactively tell them where they have room to improve and what they need to be doing in order to improve. Because we have this large set of data and I think we can help people in their discovery of problems and opportunities. So that's something that we want to move into in the future.
0: Love that. If you can create like this dashboard of hit list items of like action items where you can say, okay, these products are underperforming or these products are generating the most returns or the most questions, or I I just think if you have this kind of hit list of suggestions of ways in which the data can be interpreted to create action off the backside of that, I think that is just going to be that the value add that would bring to the table would be so substantial over just the the dashboards are great. And don't get me wrong. I think most business owners would love to have a dashboard that's at least telling them where they're spending money, where it's looking like the best ROI is coming from. All those things are really important. But I think especially for time-starved SMBs, having that hit list of four or five recommendations. And then if they implement those recommendations, seeing the levers that get pulled and seeing the impact over say a 30, 60, 90 day period of time, I think that Mm -hmm. suddenly starts to make you even more indispensable to the business than you are now. Cause it's almost like a, it's almost like a virtual CFO. It's almost like a virtual CMO. It's all that wrapped into one.
1: Yeah. And I think I actually just lost my train of thought there. So yeah, I think that's also where an internal bi could never compete because you always just have this data set of n equals one but you just have your own data looking into and but it's a very tough challenge and we all know these ga suggestions hey here are some things that we might think you like or you might find interesting and i never find them interesting there's always just like some random stuff i don't really care about in most cases so really building that out is a pretty complex challenge because it really depends upon who do you compare to because building benchmarks is easy everybody can build a very bad benchmark building a very good and insightful benchmark is a lot harder because it really depends on the type of business you're comparing people to and there are various differences that you need to consider in order to understand does it even make sense to compare these two, two businesses Then also bringing those comparisons down to a level where you can actually do something with them. It doesn't help me if I tell you your conversion rate is bad. They're like a million things going into a conversion rate. So I can't really do anything with that.
0: Makes complete sense. So I think where it is helpful, I think is particularly if you have benchmark data that is verticalized and you can say, okay, you you can effectively say, okay, you can self-select into a cohort of say, maybe a CPG business, maybe it's a maybe it's a a, a homewares business maybe it's a, there's maybe it's fashion there's maybe these buckets that someone could self select into from a bench marking perspective. And maybe they could just click to see benchmarks across different types of businesses within the tool just so that they could see, hey, this is something to strive for. This is an area where we think we can improve. These are areas where, again, because you're taking aggregated data and you're not taking direct competitor data, I think you do have that pan merchant view. The other benefit I think of doing that is that, as you well know, one of the biggest issues with Google Analytics is A. They often, Google will oftentimes make recommendations that will prompt you to spend more money on Google ads. That's the first thing we know that. We, we know the recommendations that they make today do that. The second thing is they take such a tiny selection of data, right? It's a tiny, it's, it's a, such a tiny subset of the data. It's not looking at all your data. It's took, it's mm-hmm. looking at a representation of your data and sometimes it's a very poor representation. And so I think with you guys, because you're looking at all of the data, you're not excluding, you're not taking a sample set of data, you're taking all of the data, I think that puts you in a position to be able to make recommendations that A, you don't have an axe to grind, you're trying to sell them marketing, and two, you're looking at all the data. So that I think that automatically gives you a pretty big leg up.
1: Yeah, I think just we are very much aligned with the merchant, we succeed, if they succeed, I think that's a big philosophy we built claw around, we just want our merchants to do the better. And if they do, we do. So it's like about really winning together. And yeah, providing Or like building out like resources that they can't have internally and they can like access in order to improve their business
0: love it and you alluded to this in the beginning but i'll just i'll just dig down this rabbit hole a little bit further you said at the time you were trying to find a tool like Clar in the market you did look at like glue and some other products in the market and you said Either a, this is not a good fit financially for us because it's ridiculously expensive or it doesn't do what we need it to do. It's not either not comprehensive enough, it's wide but not deep or deep but not wide. It doesn't necessarily meet our needs. So clearly this kind of sprung out of the concept
1: of scratching an itch, right? Yeah, 100%. I was completely in the market of buying something. Like I said, we grew the marketing team at YFood from 15 to 45 people. We, in a span of four months, expanded into eight new markets across Europe. And like things were getting incredibly complex. I just had two guys, more or less, full-time maintaining and updating spreadsheets. Yeah, I was looking for something, couldn't find it, and I said hey, I wanted to start something of my own. And I had already discussed with my two co-founders that we wanted to do something together, and so that idea got added, uh, got added to the uh, my long list of ideas, and it's the one that prevailed and uh, that we started working on
0: love it love that concept of scratching the itch or so as we say eating your own dog food sometimes is another term and i think that's a i think that's a great thing i really do because i think that if you are if you are feeling if you're representative of the pain that your customers are feeling and you felt that pain too you have that natural built-in empathy for the market that you're servicing because you are that market and Mm -hmm. i think that has such an impact on guiding the empathy that you build your product with and what you put on that roadmap is is dictated and guided by, hey, where is the lowest hanging fruit here that we can knock on the head straight away? But also what are some of those more stretch ambitions in the future where we can expand our product to meet more requirements as we, we grow? So I think that's really good. Do you guys have a partnership model or do you are you guys purely, hey, this we want to make this as plug and play as possible, or is it your vision in the future that you'll work with agencies or consultants, etc., to help position Clar into businesses where it's a good fit? What's your? I don't see anything about a partnership model on your site, so I assume you really want to stay a D2C SaaS brand.
1: So just a couple of things there. So on the empathy side, I think it's super crucial for me. I think it's also one of the core values that we put in for Clar empathy. I try to hire as much as possible on the business side of things people who've been in the trenches who operated e-commerce brands who work on agencies so that we can really understand the situation that the customer is coming from what kind of problems they have on a daily basis so that's super really crucial to me obviously let's see how we can scale this into the future but right now i think from the people we're getting in we're getting quite a lot of guys who have been in the trenches and have made that experience so when it comes to the partnership question we initially hired mostly in the on the engineering side of things so i think like right now uh, 80% of our company are engineers yep. just because we're kind of really focused on product and building a great product with the number of customers that we're getting now and that we're already supporting now we need to build out the business and commercial side out a little bit more and we're also going to set up a partnership program we're in the process of doing that we're already working quite closely with a couple of agencies that essentially are onboarding the entire customers onto Klar to also have clarity for themselves as well as the brand. So I think we're going to have an approach where we have a partnership program where we quite heavily focus on content and community. But the most importantly, I think it's about referral and word of mouth. And thus far, I would say 90% of our customers came through that. And that's actually something we're quite uh,
0: proud of amazing because that's truly sustainable it means you're not out there having to spend millions of dollars a month with the googles and the facebooks of the world and you're building actually a sustainable business that has a sustainable uh, revenue source and also acquisition becomes much more sustainable so i think that's really smart now i have to ask the question klar where did the name Clar come from because i tell you when i first started typing this into google of course it tries to auto complete with klarna because it's very the start of the name is very similar and so i'd love to know what the this must have some german roots to it
1: so yeah class actually a german word klar means clear so something that's clear and it also means like you can use it as an exclamation like clear so obviously and so it's like that inside i also wanted something that's quite short that kind of like sticks in your head And I also figured, even though it's German, I think it sounds quite interesting to an English speaker. I think the clear, the the K at the beginning makes it quite also sticky. So yeah, that's the origin of the name and-
0: single syllable, easy to remember, brilliant, love it. And bringing clarity to the insights, I think is really a clever play on words and it certainly uh, fits and aligns very well with what you do and what you want your software to do and bring to businesses. Absolutely love it. Now, as we come, towards the end of our time together. And I do appreciate your time, appreciate your insights, love what you're doing over at Clar, love your target market, love this end of the market. I think it's the fat middle, so to speak, of the market. Mm. If, obviously, if you're a brand new startup, probably don't need something like Clar. but man, I tell you, even within a couple months in, you're gonna start getting some super useful insights. But this is the part of the show where I turn the microphone over to you and I allow you to ask me one question, any question you like, and I do my level best to answer it. So. Over to you, Max Rast from Clark. Thank you so much for your time with me today. Microphone over to you.
1: Okay, cool. I wasn't expecting that. Can it be something like funny, private or should it be business related? It can be absolutely any question okay. you like, even if it embarrasses me. Okay, cool. There's actually there's funny questions I saw in an interview like years ago. And I actually also ask it always at the end of interviews to judge a person a bit better. And the question is, if you could have one mediocre superpower, what would it be? And mediocre superpower means now something that no human can do, but it's also not so awesome that no movie or comic or something will ever be written about you.
0: Wow. I love that. A mediocre superpower. Okay. So we're talking uh, superhumans. This is not, okay, cool. Okay. I love this. I love that. I love where you're going with this. A mediocre superpower. So we're not talking Superman flying around. We're not talking no, not anything that. crazy. We're talking very average superpower here wow an average superpower i would love to be able to i tell you okay here's a good one here's a good one i would love to be able to be an antenna because and i'll tell you (laughs) why because we have so many problems with our internet that you know and again this goes along with the media superpower. this is definitely not saving the world but i would love to be able to be an antenna so that i didn't have to rely (laughs) on Third-party connectivity to the internet because okay. it is so bad, and we are so dependent on the internet, and particularly for my business and my personal life. I guess it, it's like a utility, right? It's like the water and in sewerage. You need internet, and I would love to be able to act as an antenna and just be able to uh, beam, almost beam me up, Scotty, but beam in the internet. That's <laughs> what I would love to know. Okay. My superpower to be. Okay. Cool. Nice. Was that what you had in mind? Was that the kind of mediocre superpower I'd... you're talking about?
1: I mean, you get to get various answers. I think my answer to when I heard that question, I got asked the first time was that I want to instantly know lyrics of songs because I just sing along, not being a native speaker, it's always not 100% clear what these people are saying. So you like muffle along. So I wanted to instantly know lyrics of songs. When I heard that question, the example, the person gave an example and that I think is the most brilliant answer ever. So apparently one guy said to that question, he wants to ter- uh, he wants to temporarily remove his arm while spooning with a girl. Man, I wish you could give me that example. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. And then you get some really slightly weird answer. Some person once told me she wants to be able to speak with her dead dog, which I was like, okay, wow. Okay, took a different turn than I expected, but okay. So you get various different responses to this question. I think it's always quite interesting to see the creativity of the person and also usually reveals like some interesting personal fact about that person. It, it
0: certainly does. It certainly does. Max, it has been absolutely awesome to chat with you. I really appreciate your transparency, your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience. I know we're coming up on two years of the business and I wish you absolutely all the best. I'd love to get you back on it in six, 12, 18 months time. See how Clara's grown, see how the product has grown, see all the interesting new things that you're doing and, and get some uh, tales from the, from the industry. So thank you very much. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon, my friend.
1: Thank you, Tyson. This was great. Thank you.
0: Are you a merchant or software vendor that is focused on e-commerce or omni-channel? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to see how we can help you scale your business.